0: Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's good to be here. And it's good to being a new semester. I can say as so many have said before, During the summer, it's lonely around here without you being here. And we're so grateful and honored that you choose to study in a place like this and uh, come to a school like this in a time like this. So I want to say we thank God for you. Give yourselves a wonderful big hand this morning. Um, Before I start this morning, I want to ask the question. Um, Have you ever received an assignment that you didn't like? Maybe from Dr. Crutchfield. You ever received an assignment from him that you didn't like? Come on, raise your hand. I need five of you to raise your hand. Okay, wonderful. How about from Dr. McWilliams back there? Have you ever received an assignment from Dr. McWilliams that you didn't care for? How about from Trevor Castor? Have you ever received? I see more of you raising your hands. for Trevor, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Today I would like to talk about Jonah. I'm I'm always curious of whether or not Jonah would be a student here at CIU if he were living today. But this Old Testament prophet, man of God, Jonah, his story so resonates with me in so many different ways. And I hope it resonates with you as we share this morning. You know, last semester our president had this... um, statement that he wanted us to know, to know him. And um, we worked on going deeper with him last year, and that was our mantra last year. We wanted to know him. But this semester, he's asked us to go a different way. He's asked us to make him known. He wants to send out um, various teams across the country, across the world, and let's make him known. Some have already gone out. I know Dr. Chrisman has gone out with him and Dr. Smith when they went to Guatemala a few weeks ago. But he wants to put this in all of our hearts, not just to know him, but to literally to make him known. You know, when you know God, it's a privilege to serve God. When you know God, it's a privilege to worship God. When you know God, it's a privilege to serve him, to worship him, to obey him, to just, just delight to be in the center of his will. To know him and to make him known. When you know him, um, sin shouldn't be a problem anymore because you know him. When you, when you know him, you, you, you want to please him. When you know him, you just, God, I just, I can't get enough of you. Because I know you, and because I know you, I have the privilege of making you known. Making you known in my attitude and my actions, making you known in my academics, making you known even as an athlete, I want to make you known. And that's the, that's the gift that we have this morning. We have a prophet in that of Jonah who knows God. He knows him. He's a prophet, by the way. He, he knows him. You know, a prophet, he has no God, but there's a problem. God gives him an assignment that he doesn't care for. What happens when you know God and he gives you an assignment that you don't care for? What happens when you know him and you're in love with him, but all of a sudden God tells you to do something? You're like, wait a minute, God, I didn't I didn't sign up for that because Jonah was a Jew, and here's God asking him to go to the Assyrians, Um, and he's asking him to go and spread the message to these Babylonians in in Nineveh. It tells us here in in chapter 1 of Jonah, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, to that great city, and cry out against me, for their wickedness has come up before me. But, whenever you see a but after God tells you something, you know something's wrong. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Wow. What happens when you get an assignment from God and you know him and you want and he tells you, make me known. And all of a sudden it doesn't go your way. So how do you respond to the word and to the will of God? That's what we're talking about this morning. How do you respond to it? Here's how Joshua responds. Excuse me. Here's how Jonah responded to it in Jonah chapter one. It's what rebellion, he goes down. In chapter one, every time you see the word down, um, he's going out of the will of God. Verse three, verse five, verse 15, verse 17, chapter two, verse six. Every time you see the word down, he's going away from, the, from God. Jonah, Jonah thought serving God was, a, was an option. It's never an option. He thought doing what God called him to do was an option. It's never an option. It's an obligation. It's an opportunity. But rather, Jonah traded safety for danger. He traded peace for a storm. Jonah got outside of himself because even though he knew God, he wasn't interested in making him known. Has anybody been like that in here before? You know God, you love God, you worship God, then all of a sudden God gives you an assignment and you're like, wait a minute, God, that's not what I signed up for. I didn't, I didn't sign up for that. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we think that obeying God, obeying God should never be an option. Whether you think you have free will or not, obeying God is never an option. Whether you're Calvinist or Armenian, it's, it's never an option. When God calls you something, you should say, God, I, I want to do it for your glory. If, if you read the rest of chapter one in the book of Jonah, um, after he trades in his safety for danger, you notice they're on this ship. They're, they're headed towards Spain, Tarsus. And you, you notice that he goes down into the, the very most parts of the ship and he's asleep. He's asleep and God hurls a, a storm on the ocean. El Nino, y'all ain't praying with me, but anyway, um, the the sailors on the boat start to pray because they know that there's something unusual about the storm, and they started crying out to their God, and Jonah's still asleep, kind of reveals their character versus Jonah's character, he's asleep while they're crying out to their gods, matter of fact, the captain of the boat woke Jonah up, Jonah, what are you doing, and why are you not praying, and all of a sudden, they started asking Jonah about his resume. Where are you from? Who are your people? Why is this storm going on? Do you know anything about this? Are you running from something? Jonah says, Well, yes, I'm running from, running from God. He, I'm, I'm a Hebrew. Yes, yeah, I probably have something to do with this. And Jonah, they said, Well, how do we get out of this storm? And Jonah said, Just throw me overboard. And instead of throwing Jonah overboard, the Bible tells us in verse 11 and verse 12, they started rowing harder because they really want to save Jonah. This is not in my notes, but I want to give you a gift. Can I give you a gift that's not in my notes? Sometimes you have to throw people overboard in order to save the ship. But anyway, that's, that's for a side note there. That's a side note. I probably shouldn't have said that, but it, was, it came to my mind while I was talking. Sometimes you have to throw somebody overboard. And for them, they had to throw Jonah overboard. I wonder who do you need to throw overboard in your life so that the ship will make it. I want to know who do you need to throw overboard in your life so you can be a better student here while you're here at CIU. Lord have mercy, just throw him overboard. But God prepared 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 a fish for him to swallow him. I think his name was Adriana, I think I heard this at SeaWorld. His name was Shamu. That God prepared for him to swallow him up. You know, God loves us so much that he won't let us run. I said God loves us so much that he won't let us run. He'll discipline us. He'll keep working on us until we submit to him. You may run, but you can't hide. God doesn't play hide and seek, by the way. God knows where you are. You can't even hide as a student here at CIU because God knows where you are. So chapter one is all about rebellion. And I'm wondering, do we have any of our students here today that may be going through a little bit of rebellion? You know what God has called you to and what God has called you for. But yet, you're running away from God. You know, when we get to chapter two, chapter two, it's all about repentance. He finds himself in the the belly of a whale. And in verse two, this is the first time in the book of Jonah that I see Jonah praying. He says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his, his God from the fish's belly. Wait a minute. This verse would have been better if we would have found it in verse in chapter one. When he got his assignment, he should have been praying. But instead of praying, he was running from God. You know, you can save yourself so much discipline, so much, you don't have to be delivered if you just go ahead and pray. If he would have prayed for divine help to carry out the mission, it would have been a whole lot better. But how many of us, instead of praying before we get started, we decide on whether or not we want to do God's will before we start our day. When it, when, can, can God get our attention and say, you know what? Pray about it. Because whenever you pray, you get God's perspective. But Jonah had to learn the hard way. He was in the midst of a, of, 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 of a fish. It was dark. It was like a tomb. It was Sheol. It was, it, it was hell to him. Can you see the seaweed was wrapped around him? It was dark, it was smelly inside the fish. It was smelly, it was dark. The, the digestive fluid started working on Jonah's skin. You know, Jonah was in a, in a, in a tough place. And he said, Lord, from this, this tough place, I'm crying out, out of the belly of this fish, out of, and from literal shell, you have spared me, Lord. He's in a tough place. Verse 7 tells us that he realizes that he neglected prayer. Verse 8 tells us in chapter 2 that he believed the lies. You see, Jonah was in a tough place. But, but like in chapter 1, every time he's out of the will of God, he goes down, down, down. In chapter 2, you start seeing, seeing some hope. He's going up, 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 up. Can I just remind us this morning, you should pray before you do anything. I'm wondering how many of you all have started a new semester here at CIU, but you haven't prayed about it. Lord, what do you want to teach me here while I'm here this semester? Where are we going with this, Lord? What are you trying to bring into my life? You know, sometimes God has the breakers before he makes us. He has the bruises before he uses us. And I'm wondering how many of us are finding ourselves, instead of thriving, we're just surviving. Why? Because we're in the belly of your whale. You're in the belly of your fish. Why? Because rebellion has gotten you there. And God will go to whatever extent he needs to go to to get you to repent. Who is God talking to this morning? Is God speaking to you? Oh, everybody thinks you're wonderful, but God knows. God knows your heart. Everybody knows that you you had the money to pay your fare. You could go wherever you want to go, do whatever you want to do. But God knows where he sent you. Well, Jonah chapter one is all about rebellion. Jonah chapter two is all about repentance. But after the smells and after the digestive fluids got through working with Jonah and his skin, we find him in chapter three. Let me see. Can I get this thing to turn here? Restoration finally comes. Aren't we glad that God is a God of the second chance? Has anybody ever experienced God giving you a second chance? Okay, some of y'all couldn't say amen on that because you're not on your second chance, you're on your third chance, you're on your fourth chance, you're on your fifth chance. Do I have the right crowd now? We're, God is a God of a second chance. Yes, he is. And I'm glad that God, even in my life, has given me a second chance. Thank God for his grace. Anybody thank God for his grace? I'm thankful that God is, you know, when we get to chapter 3, God could have sent anybody to Nineveh in chapter 3, but he's still working with Jonah. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because God is still working with you. God could get anybody else to do it, but God really wants to get your attention. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Arise. And go to none. Wait a minute, I thought I read that in chapter one. It's the same thing in chapter three. I was discussing with my big brother, my older brother, Andre Melvin, yesterday about what I was gonna preach about this morning. And he said, Isn't it funny that sometimes we look for God to give us a different word? Isn't it funny that we look for God to change his mind or do something different? And God goes back to the original word that he gave us. Arise and go to Nineveh. Wait a minute, I don't like those people in Nineveh. I don't, they're they're not my peeps. Why do I have to rise and go to Nineveh? You know, God is not just concerned. God is not just concerned about the work. He's also concerned about the worker. He's concerned about the worker, Jonah, and he's concerned about the work. He could have sent someone else. But how gracious is God to work with law centers? Here's Jonah, he's walking in the town, his skin is wrinkled, he he probably looks 50 years older than what he really is. And he's announcing that judgment is gonna come in 40 days. He's preaching revival and he's the only revivalist in history that preached revival that doesn't want anyone to come to Christ. (laughs) Billy Graham would have been happy with the results That Jonah got in the city because all of a sudden the king, the noblemen, the city council, the county council, everybody got whiffed of what was going on. And with 120,000 people in the city, um, the, the king declares a fast, don't eat until we turn our attention to the Lord and get God to change his mind. And God did. He's so gracious. He's so loving. That that he will, he will save lost sinners. I read on Facebook and you know, Facebook is the, is the authority these days. Um, I read on Facebook just last night that if you want to start a church, reach lost sinners. You want to revitalize a church, reach lost sinners. You want to start a ministry, reach lost sinners. If you want to do anything, you have to reach lost sinners. But what happens when God calls you to somebody that you don't like? They don't smell like you. They don't look like you. They're mean. They're aggravating. There's somebody I don't wanna deal with. If God is gracious enough to give us a second chance, can we be gracious enough to give somebody else a second chance? Maybe you're sitting on the other side of chapel this morning because you don't wanna deal with somebody on the other side of the chapel. If God gave us a second chance, why don't you move to the other side of the chapel? How gracious God is. To bless the ministry of an imperfect servant. Of a servant who doesn't want anyone to come to Christ. Who doesn't want anyone to come to God. God is the only one that can take a crooked stick and still hit a straight leg. God is just that gracious. Jonah did not have the love of the people. He didn't have love for the people that he preached to. But yet God used his word Anyway, at the end of chapter 3 then God saw their works that they had turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had said that he would bring upon them and he did not do it chapter 1 is a chapter of rebellion chapter 2 is is a, is, a, is a chapter of repentance. Chapter three is a chapter of restoration. God giving us a second chance because God is concerned about the worker and he's concerned about the work. You know, folks, that should have been the end of the story. I should be ready to take my seat now. But there's a problem. And here's the problem resentment sets into the the prophet's heart. You know, it's funny as I read chapter four, anger. He's angry in verse one. He's angry in verse two. He's angry in verse four. He's angry in verse nine. He's angry because Jonah wanted God to destroy the city, not, not, not to redeem the city. He wanted... The city completely destroyed because he hadn't completely yielded to God. He obeyed God only because he was afraid of what God was about to do to him if he didn't go to Nineveh. But he really didn't like the assignment. He didn't want to go. You know, somebody once said that the book of Jonah is about Jonah, but it's not about Jonah. Somebody else said um, that the book of Jonah is about the the great fish. Did God create the fish or did God provide the fish? No, it's not about the fish. It's not about that whale or a shark or whatever. What is it about then? It's about God. Because 38 times in the book of Jonah, God is mentioned over and over and over again. Oh, by the way, You may think life is about you right now, but guess what? He was here before you got here, and he'll be here after you leave here, and he's here right now. So life isn't about you. It's about God's glory. I want to tell you, uh, Dr. Rick Christman, he's in the back back there. He just preached the other day. I'm stealing this from your notes. Can I steal something from you, Dr. Christman? Thank you. I'll just borrow it. You can have it back after I get through using it. Play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. (laughs) Did y'all hear me? You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. When you're rebellious, when you're not willing to yield your heart, when you get angry, when you get angry, when when we are angry with God, we, we lose perspective. We say and we do selfish things. Things become more important than people. Comfort becomes more important than ministry. But the good news is, God is long suffering. And He tenderly deals with us as He brings us to Himself. Who am I preaching to today? But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. One translation said he became very angry because things didn't go his way. Oh, by the way, just because you attended Columbia International University doesn't mean you get it your way. This is not Burger King. (laughs) Just because you attended Columbia International University doesn't mean you deserve a break today. This is not McDonald's. Just because you attended Columbia International University doesn't mean you get a good old fashioned hamburger. Well, maybe you do in the cafeteria. But this is not Wendy's. We're here to do the Lord's will. And, 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 and here's what we're about here at CIU. Since our president has spoken to, the, he's, he's asked us to think this way, we're here to know him. Yes, we're here to know him but we're also here to make him known. And I want you to ask the Lord, what hindrances do I have in my life? What roadblocks, what obstacles do I have in my life for making you known? Lord, is my attitude pleasing enough to make you known? Is my heart pleasing enough to make you known? Lord, am I sanctified enough to make you known? You're not here just to get an education. You're here to, to build an intimate relationship with God. So whether it's psychology, whether it's an English major, whether it's a sports major, a business major, a pastor, ministry, a youth ministry, it doesn't matter what ministry you are. I'm here to get to know you and I'm here to make you known. Whether you're in education, teacher ed, it doesn't matter. I, I'm here to know you. Because I want to make you known. Don't do dumb things over the year to, to move you away from God. Do things smart and wise and prudent to come closer to the Lord. Because I don't want a, a year of rebellion. And I don't want a year of resentment. But I want a year that I can get to know my Savior better and better and make him known. What is God calling you to today? Where is God calling you to go? You know, sin will keep you from hearing from God. Rebellion keeps you from hearing from God. Resentment from, can keep you from, from appreciating God's grace and his tender mercies as he works in the lives of others. So make this a year of making him known. Jonah knew him, but he struggled with his assignment. Matter of fact, if you read chapter 4 carefully, he's more concerned about a plant that he didn't didn't plant. More concerned about a tree that he didn't plant than it was about the 120,000 that came to know God. I pray that we're not more concerned about things that we didn't plan than how many people that we can reach with the good news of the gospel because we're making him known.